We're going to continue to look at uh, the life of Moses this week and him as our role model. And, and I, I realized that in the story of Moses and Israel, there's many situations uh, I'm actually not looking at, right? There's lots of different aspects to the journey, but, you know, we're kind of being selective and look at, looking at their story because I really want to bring out some things about Moses and his, his example uh, for us how he led the people, how he was an example to them, um, and how he found solutions for the problems that Israel was facing. Because, you know, no matter what our individual callings are, whether it's to, you know, leadership or whether it's just being a, a believer and being a witness and a light, you know, God is looking for those who can follow the example of Moses as a part of the church of the last days because he is the role model for us of how we can be like one who stands before the Lord of the whole earth and dwells in his presence. And so this morning, I'd want to look at two of the tests that Israel faced in the wilderness. We know that they had 10 of them. Maybe we'll look at others later on. But there were two of them I wanted to just look at with you. And I, and I want to see how God worked a miracle in these tests, but yet he was looking at for a response in their hearts in the, in the miraculous, you know, the miracles in the wilderness. And, you know, and so, you know, when you're a leader or, you know, not even in a place of, you know, telling people what to do, but sometimes you're just in people's lives, right? And, and they're being tested. Uh, it's like you're being tested too, <laughs> because you're, you're walking with them and you're trying to help them, and you're, you know, you're in one sense, you're going through it with them. And so here's the reality of Moses, because we're looking at him as Israel's going through their journey. And in one sense, Moses has already passed his tests spiritually, right? Because, you know, he, he had been through the wilderness. He had to leave Egypt. He had to face those tests of following the lamb and, you know, waiting upon God and learning the, the lessons of the shepherd in the wilderness for those 40 years. And so he's passed his test, but now he's got to go through it again with Israel and try and lead them and be an example to them. And uh, of course, they don't do too well in, in their exams. But Moses still has to stand and he has to endure with them and endure them, their reactions. And and so I wanted to consider one test, and that was what they faced in the area of food. Ooh, the test of food. In Exodus chapter 16 and verse 1, it says, They took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel that came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month after they departed out of the land of Egypt, the whole congregation of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, right? When we could have a full belly. We remember those days. They weren't long ago. And, but instead, you've brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And so Israel, they had seen the power and the glory of God in delivering them at the Red Sea and then, you know, causing the walls of water to, 
be on their right and left and they pass through on dry land and then they see the water wash away their enemies. And so they see that. And not only that, God brought them to Elam where they were refreshed at that oasis there. But then there's a test that God wanted to take them through. And really it was the test of leanness. And I think that's what we can understand because, uh, you know, I mean, there, there are times when maybe God would take us through times of hunger or something or uh, in the natural. But I, I think what that can speak to us is the test of leanness. You know, where appetites are, are not being satisfied. You know, and sometimes God orchestrates times of leanness for us to go through. Maybe limitations, you know, where, where he's speaking through his word or maybe he just orchestrates it. Right? Maybe some of us, you know, have been through times of economic leanness, right? Where you check your bank account and it's lean, right? But there's other, other ways that can, that can apply, right? Not just economic. It could be maybe in a certain thing we desire, but God's limiting that. Maybe it could be a lack of fellowship or a lack of excitement. You know, life is mundane because there's not a lot of exciting things or something happening. Right? Or just something we would we want to see happen. But in that situation, we can understand from Israel's story that God is trying to work. He's trying to do something. However, Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron, which was really they were murmuring against God. That, that word murmur is actually, it's an interesting word in the Hebrew. It's, it's used most times as lodge, right? Like someone would lodge uh, somewhere. Well, it's also used as tarry, abide, continue, and then also complain, right? And, but it's the sense that of being um, obstinate and, you know, kind of like a donkey. We've probably all seen pictures or videos or something of someone trying to get a donkey to go from point A to point B, but they dig in their heels and they're trying to pull on the reins and, you know, they're making the donkey noises and they're, they're just not moving because they're not in the mood. And that's, what is, that's the way Israel was at that point. They were dug in and they were not happy. And so they murmured against Moses and Aaron. All right? They weren't satisfied in this position because they, right, their, uh, their appetites weren't being satisfied like they were in Egypt. Of course, they were ignoring the bondage and, and instead looking at the appetites. And, you know, that's, how often we can do that, you know, as believers, just look at the appetites and overlook the bondage, the difficulties that the appetites can bring us into. But, you know, you know, so they were murmuring against Moses because they weren't fulfilled, but that kind of represents how they followed God in the wilderness. They kind of had to be pulled along as a donkey, uh, you know, and it kind of remember the, the admonition of Psalm 32, in verse 8, where God is speaking through the psalmist, he says, I will, instruct, I will instruct and teach you in the way which you shall go. I'll guide you with my eye. But don't be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding. Now, horses and mules actually do have some intelligence, right? They're not, you know, super dumb creatures. They can be taught. They can actually be trained and to become quite intelligent. But the lack of understanding is is not being willing to understand the way the master wants to lead them, of being stubborn and obstinate. 
And so to, to counterbalance that, you put a, a bit and a bridle in their mouths to try and get them to go that way. And so they, the horse and the mule require a harness, a bridle, a bit in order to be led. Those are kind of like forms of persuasion. You know, I'm going to force you. I'm going to make you go the way. I'm going to put my saddle on you in a harness system and get you to go that way. But, you know, sometimes they're still stubborn. Have you ever tried to help someone, you know, or, or, or I should put it the other way around. Have you ever tried to get someone to help you? And you know, basically, you're going to need to persuade them. And so you have to make all sorts of promises and, you know, please, pretty please, would you, would you help me with this situation? You know, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. You know, I'll owe you one or I'll, I'll make it easy for you, whatever it can be. But, you know, sometimes we can be like that with the Lord in the sense where he beckons us to follow him. But it's got to be on our terms, on our way. And sometimes for the Lord to get us to come, he's got to put the bit and the bridle in us and really not give us much of a choice and force us in that way. And so the Lord is saying, don't be like that. Instead, what are we to be like? What, what is the picture? Is we're to be like the, the sheep of his hand. And now we know sheep have their own issues. They can wander off at times and so forth. But you know, one of the the qualities of a sheep is that when the shepherd calls, they, they recognize his voice and they respond to the voice of the shepherd who's calling them. And so that's one of the endearing qualities of the sheep. They recognize and respond to the voice of the shepherd and they follow him in the way because they know what's good for them. They know the shepherd's going to lead them to good pastures and take care of them and so forth. And so here in this situation... Moses, you know, brings the murmuring to the Lord and he rolls the burden off onto the Lord. And, and then God speaks in Exodus 16 and verse four, it says, the Lord said on, then said the Lord to Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And so really the time of leanness was, was orchestrated by God to prove or to test them to see if they were going to follow him in the lean times as well as in the abundant times, the, the miraculous times. And so he ordained bread from heaven, and we know that as manna. That was what the, the word the Israelites gave. And, but of course, for New Testament believers, that has a meaning for us is that God wants to to feed us with his word, his living word that comes down from heaven. And, and just as the Israelites had to go out day by day, you know, we have to seek the Lord each day to receive strength and what sus would sustain us to keep us going forward in our journey. And, and something here that's important to take notice of that I think is, is really challenging for us as believers is it says he, will, he would give it at a certain rate every day. He would give it at a certain rate. Now, I think some of the Israelites, they wanted to, to have an abundance. But when they did that, it stank and bred worms, and God was not happy with them. Right? And they had to learn that. They only got a portion for that day. Sometimes we try and 
press the Lord for answers, right? For understanding about future situations, uh, you know, or worries. And, and we're stymied when we just don't get an answer. And we, sometimes we get frustrated. It's not because of what God's done. It's because, you know, he ordains a daily bread, a supply of what we need, of his word, of his understanding, of his leading. And so for our lives, God does not give us manna for tomorrow. He gives us manna for today. You know, and, and for the challenge for us is we have to rest in that. We have to trust that today God will give me what I need and then he'll give me what I need tomorrow. But it's not tomorrow yet, so I can't be concerned with that. We just have to learn to look to him. And I think that in the days to come, that's going to become so much more important that we learn to live day by day with his word and his supply Right? Because we're talking about supplying you know, our desires and our needs and wants and so forth. You know, we can illustrate this with a very famous story of George Mueller. Right? A lot of us have heard of him. He, he was a, a, an evangelist and also you know, God raised up orphanages through him. And many hundreds of, of children were fed by him. And one of the stories was that they ran out of supplies. And so one morning, they had nothing to feed the children. Well, he felt that he should set the table for food. And he had the children there, and there was no food. And all of a sudden, there was a knock on the door. And it was the baker. And the baker said he had been unable to sleep because he was sure the Lord wanted him to bake bread for the children. So he got up early and he baked bread and he brought the bread and he's like, can you use this? And he said, yes, we can use it. <laughs> you know, and the, and the children had fresh bed. As soon as he left, there was another knock on the door and it was a milkman. And his cart had broken down right outside of the orphanage. And he said, this milk's going to go bad because I can't, I can't move the cart. I don't know if a wheel broke, fell off or something, but it can't move. And so can you use this milk? And he said, of course we can use the milk. And so the children were able to have bread and milk for them. But, you know, it was like Mueller had come to that place where he was able to trust God for that moment, for that day's need, even for just one meal. And I don't know what he, what if he turned to the Lord and said, okay, Lord, what about lunch? <laughs> I don't know what they did. God provided in a different way. But it's like they had learned to rest in the fact that God would meet their needs for that day. Or Mueller, you know, rested that God would meet the needs of, of those many that were put under his care. And, you know, God wants us to learn to rest in his provision, in his manna, day by day. And, and sometimes it's natural provision, sometimes it's spiritual provision or it's a word that we need, but we can have confidence that we can come to his throne and find grace in time of need. Sometimes I, that's the hardest part for me. Lord, can I have grace and can I have like an abundance and can I have it all right now? But he says, I'll give you grace when you need it. I'll give you the answer when you need it. I'll give you, you know, my spirit 
But the whole implication is when you need it, at the time, at the appointed time. Sometimes he tests us and he waits till the 11th hour, but it's never beyond that. And so Israel, God was trying to teach them to trust in him day by day. Of course, they, they, didn't, they, they wouldn't have that, unfortunately. They didn't follow the example of their role model, Moses. They never really could come to that place of being content of following the Lord and trusting him day by day. Now, another psalm, Psalm 106, that talks about their journey, it says they believed his works, his words, they sang his praise. And this is kind of referring to crossing the Red Sea, right? They, there was the song of Moses and the song of Miriam, and they're praising the Lord. And only a few days later, they're murmuring, right? And that's verse 13. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness, tempted God in the desert. So verse 15, he gave them their request, but he also gave them leanness in their soul. So here's the danger. If we dig in our heels like Israel, God might even give us our request eventually. But along with the initial satisfaction of receiving what we desire, there's a long-term consequence, and that's a leanness in our innermost being. And really that comes from you know, not trusting in the Lord. That comes from being self-reliant and looking for what we desire. And so it's so much better to say, Lord, choose for me. No, don't give me everything I want, <laughs> just what you think I need. And there's such satisfaction in trusting God in that way. Now, one last thought about this, this story is, you know, instead of Israel's response, I think we can look to the Apostle Paul of how he, of what he said to his church because he was tested. He went through good times and not so good times, and he learned something from those experiences. In Philippians 4.11, he was telling the Philippian church what he had learned. And he said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned that in whatever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. I know how to be abased, right? I know how to, how to have nothing and less than nothing and have everything taken away. And I know how to abound where, you know, God blesses abundantly. Everywhere and in all things, I am bo- I'm instructed to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. That's the context for verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How often have we quoted that? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But Paul gives a very specific context. It's for those who have learned to be content in all seasons, in all situations, because they've learned to just gather the manna for that day and receive from God's hand, from heaven, what they need for that day and to be content in it. And there'll be times when we're abate, when we're full and we rejoice in the abundant manna. There's times when we're abased and <laughs> we're lacking and sometimes we're even hungry and like, Lord, is this it? But we trust you, Lord. This is what we need. But in doing that, we find contentment. And in that position, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. One more example. I'll do faster on this example. Right, this one was concerning water. 
Exodus 17, verse, uh, verses 1 through 4, it says, All the congregation of the children of Israel, they journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys, according to the command of the Lord, pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, they, they did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we can drink. And Moses said, Why are you chiding with me? And why are you tempting the Lord? And the people thirsted for water, and they murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle? It's the same old story. And so Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Lord, what are they, am I going to do with this people? They're ready to stone me. And so the people were thirsty, and they did chide with Moses. This word chide, it means to complain, quarrel, or grapple. Kind of like with wrestling. You know, like they were just wrestling with Moses. Now, we know that Jacob wrestled with an angel, so there are times of divine wrestling, but, but that was so he could be transformed. But here's Israel. It's like they're wrestling with Moses because they're tired of being tested. Right? They're tired of, of going in this situation and having these experiences. They wanted to go in a different direction. Now, thirst is a little bit different than food, right? You have to have water every day pretty much to live right? or it's very detrimental especially for children and cattle you know food represents strength but water represents life and so for believers it represents spiritual life and refreshment and so god was preparing the way for a mighty miracle to be performed and it was going to be performed right away because he wasn't going to let them go without life without water because there was no source of that but here was what was making this trial so acute is that it revealed something in their hearts that kept popping up. They were constantly looking back to the life they had in Egypt. You know, they were constantly saying, oh, we had it so much better in our life. At least we could live in Egypt. But here we can't even live. That was the, from their point of view. You know, one of the warnings or, or sermons that Jesus gave his disciples I think it might have been the shortest sermon. It was only three words. Well, maybe some of you can guess. What was his three-word sermon? It was in Luke 17, 32. He turned to his disciples and he said, Remember Lot's wife. That's it. And kept on walking. But, you know, as disciples, we're not to forget that admonition. And what is it? Really, it's, it's that there's certain things in life we must forget. And we have to look away from. Now, we know Lot, Lot's wife, she became a, a pillar of salt, which is kind of interesting, a pillar of salt. But, you know, really a pillar is just uh, minerals that have become hardened and crystallized. And it kind of turns into a rock. And, and, but it, that kind of reminds us of another admonition of Christ in his Sermon on the Mount, where he said that, you know, we're, we're the salt of the earth, we're, and if our salt loses its savor, it's good for nothing. It's just tossed out. You know, it's no longer useful as a preservative agent, which is the main use of salt, of salt back in the day. You know, salt that was no good, it's usually it's because it, its state has been changed. All right? Salt at, at its basic form is sodium and chloride, but 
that lasts forever, really. It can't really go bad. But if it absorbs moisture, it can harden and clump. And then if there's heat, it can actually turn kind of after a while, turn into a rock. And you can't really use it for anything. All right? It's And so here we have Lot's wife. She kept looking back and became so focused on what she didn't have or what God was asking her to give up or what she was losing that she became like salt that lost its savor, its effectiveness, and became good for nothing, just hard and inflexible. You know, and that's, that's the result of just looking at what we want and what we think we should have. It makes us hard and inflexible, like salt that's lost its savor. And so what is the answer? What do we need? Well, God's answer was for Moses to go to the rock. And he was to go, in this case, he was to smite the rock and the water would come forth. You know, and so the rock we know represents Christ. And Jesus told the woman at the well, he said that she could keep drinking from this well naturally, but she, was, she would always be thirsty. She would never be satisfied. But instead, he would satisfy her innermost being with living water. As he said in John 4, 14, he said, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst, but the water will give him, that I shall give him shall be a well of water springing up to everlasting life. And so God wants to give us a water to flow to, that brings everlasting and spiritual life. You know, we can still go through the dry seasons and we need that water to to flow up in us. And sometimes in those seasons, you know, we're passing through situations, you know, to, for that water to keep flowing, sometimes we got to do some digging, right? We have to dig, dig the well, you know, and, and so, that, so that that water can spring up. And sometimes that, that can speak of, of prayer, of crying out to God, you know, of, of digging in His Word for the life to flow. Other times we have to unstop our well because the enemy keeps throwing rocks in there. Speaking of, of offenses or hurts or different things the enemy wants to, to try and block our well with. But then there's other times when the rock has to be broken. You know, sometimes God can bring us to a crossroads where we have to look forward and not back. And in that, there has to be a breaking of ourself. It has to be a breaking from the past from our will, but in that, we find that the water of life will flow like a river in the wilderness. And that's why God brings us into the wilderness to test us, but to accomplish a good work. And the end of that story was a river flowed in the wilderness. And isn't that what God, or what we're crying out to God for? Because it seems pretty dry out there, and we're asking for the river of God to come. Well, sometimes there has to be a breaking along with that. That rock has to be broken. And so we see these two examples of Moses leading Israel. You know, we know that Moses had to pass these tests. You know, he passed it in, in Egypt where he chose to let go of the pleasures of sin for a season where he could have had everything, but instead he chose to live as God would lead him in the wilderness. You know, and, and he, he learned to live 
by what God would give him. And he drank from the, the river of God in that sense. And he learned to trust in the living God, to be content in that. And so, you know, there is that time, those times where God will test his people. And he'll lead us through times of leanness, but in that he wants to teach us to feed from every word that comes from his throne, to hear him day by day and receive sustenance in time of need so that we learn to be content in how he leads us and how he provides. And that in that time of drought, it's really, it's an opportunity to develop a new flow of his river. And so God will work as we, you know, he might point out some things we need to take our eyes off of and some things we have to surrender or yield afresh, but in that breaking comes a mighty flow of new life from his throne. And that's the true miracle in the wilderness. And Lord, we just look to you. Lord, our prayer and our desire is that we would live by every word that comes from your throne. And so Lord, we, we pray that you would do that, Lord. Oh God, teach us to rely upon the manna from heaven. Lord, upon your word that you'd speak to us. Lord, would you give us patience to, to wait upon you, Lord, and what you would provide and how you would lead us. Oh God, that you would do a miracle. And Lord, we're asking for a river in the wilderness. And so Lord, would you do what it takes in us? Lord, that you would bring a breaking, that you would bring a breakthrough. Oh God, that you would cause our eyes to be taken off of what does not matter. And then they would be set upon you, upon the living God. Lord, that your river could flow in a mighty way. Lord, we're asking you for miracles in the wilderness. And Lord, as you've been speaking, would you do that in our lives? By your grace and by your spirit, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.